Welcome to the Wednesday Bible Study, and uh, man, today it's all new. Uh, we, we are in a, a new location. Uh, I first of all want to profusely apologize to the men that are usually in the room. Uh, there goes Tom Scott. Hey, Tom. Uh, it's all right. It's fine, Tom. It's fine. Y'all, the, the reason why I'm glad Tom just walked through the shot is y'all know I'm not exaggerating. Uh, we, this studio is uh, – these engineers, which I cannot thank them enough – they put together a studio in about 15 days that should take about five to six months. Uh, and so we just weren't in a position to bring people in and, and sit you down in the studio yet. And, and, but hopefully we can, and hopefully as early as next week. But I tried to get the word to as many of you as I could, and I realized that there's some of you I did not get the word to, and you showed up outside, and I am so sorry. But here's, here's good news for the guys that showed up outside. Uh, but we weren't doing anything yet. You found it. You, you, you found the new studio. Uh, so uh, so that, that's good news. If nothing else, look at it as a trial run, okay? All right, so for those of you that, uh, that have been with us for years, here we go. We're in a new location, still the Rick and Bubba Studios. We are about to embark on um, a very, very lofty journey. Uh, we're going to go on a, a walk through the book of Genesis and our goal is to go word for word, every single chapter, expository, all the way through it. Uh, and what's, what, what, this is going to be chocked full. And, and some of you know uh, that um, I was having a conversation uh, about uh, a study, and we will do this in, in the future, Lord willing, uh, a book on the, on the Revelation. And, and a lot of you have been asking about that. But, uh, but so I sat down with my wife, who is, is such a helper to me, and the things that my wife has taught me and in, in her incredible uh, depth of uh, understanding of the Word of God. And, and, and she made a great point, and she said, I think you should do the book of Genesis. And, I, and honestly, I, I was like, I, I don't know about Genesis. And, and she said, but how can we really understand the end if we don't fully understand the beginning? Uh, and then she said, uh, I think it's time for the church. I think it's time for all of us as followers of Christ that have been redeemed by the one and only living God to go back and remember the beginning uh, and walk through because once we understand the beginning, we understand everything because the whole Bible is ultimately about Jesus. So so we're going to do that. And uh, today's going to kind of be um, – uh, not, there's nothing simple about today because um, – there's two verses that have so much depth to them we could spend probably the entire year talking about all the different aspects of two verses. Uh, so uh, we're going to try to get through chapter one today. That's my goal. Uh, and then uh, we'll we'll start and we'll go and, until we're done. Uh, now, I do want you to be aware of a couple of things that are going on uh, for this year in 2022. Uh, it's more than just a new studio. We've got two conferences that will well, actually three conferences this year, but I'm going to talk about two because two of them are in the first quarter. One of them is uh, the Man Event, and that's February the fourth, uh, Olive Branch Baptist Church, Pensacola, Florida. Hugh Freeze will be speaking with an incredible testimony. Uh, Charles Billingsley will be leading worship. Our, our ministries are going to team up together to put on this conference. Uh, I will be speaking, and show, so will Sherry. Now, some of you say, well, it's, it's called the man event. What is a woman doing there? Well, you, we're encouraging you, if you want to bring your wife, you can. Now, I wouldn't call this a marriage conference because everything there is still going to be focused on husbands and, and, and men and fathers. Uh, but we're going to hear also the perspective, not just from Hugh Freeze and what he went through with his marriage, 
uh, not just uh, you're, you're going to hear from from what Sherry and I went through, but not just for me, from her as well, and and what she as a wife and and a woman and and the mother uh, of of our children, what she needs from her husband and her children's father. Uh, and so we're going to hear it from a woman's point of view, which we thought was kind of unique. So those tickets are rolling now. You can get those. It's just one night, Friday night, uh, February the 4th, and you can get those at BurgessMinistries.com under upcoming events or RickandBubba.com under upcoming events. The other is the Pursuit Men's Conference. This is our third year to do that. I'll be speaking with Andy Blanks from our team and also speaking with Jonathan Evans, and Charles Billingsley will be doing, doing worship for that too. That's Dothan, Alabama. And that's February the 18th and the 19th at the Civic Center. And that's our third year to do that. Those tickets are on sale now, too. So, uh, and you can go to BurgessMinistries.com or TheManChurch.com uh, and upcoming events or RickandBubba.com, and, and you can find the link to get your tickets to that, too. Uh, do both or do either, uh, whatever you desire. And then we've got a number of man churches going on. You can find all of those where they're going to be by going to themanchurch.com. These are services, our, our man church one days, where members of our team are out and speaking or I'm out and speaking, and you can find all those at themanchurch.com. There's a man church one day coming up this weekend, Saturday the 8th in southeastern Missouri at First Baptist Church Charleston. Uh, Brian Gunn from our team and also Godwin from Duck Dynasty will be speaking. Uh, it's, it's just one day, half a day on Saturday. You get those tickets at themanchurch.com. Uh, I'll be in Lynn Haven, Florida this Sunday night. I'll be doing a man church, uh, and uh, you can you can at Emerald Coast Fellowship. You can find that at themanchurch.com. And then Thursday night, the 6th, uh, tomorrow night, if you're listening to this live or watching it live, or on the same day, Scott Garoski. Uh, we'll also be speaking at a man church at Northside Baptist Church in Jasper. But there's uh, the entire month of January and the entire year. If it's booked, it's there at themanchurch.com. So let's let's open up in a word of prayer, and let's jump in to this mighty, mighty book of Genesis. Lord, thank you for today. Uh, Lord, so many things are, are changing. There's so much uncertainty. Uh, and so many times we need to go back to the basics. Who are you? Uh, you have not been silent on that. And may you receive the glory today as we are reminded of, of just how incredibly awesome you are. Uh, this word awesome, unfortunately, and I'm guilty of this, uh, we throw it around, but there's only one that deserves what awesome really means, and that's you. And may you be glorified today. In your holy name we pray. Amen. All right, so we, we go to the book of Genesis. If you have your Bible or, or something with your Bible on it, uh, we go to Genesis chapter 1. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, this is the creation of the world. Uh, there's a biggie. Uh, so if we want to get started, Rick, what are we going to start on? Let's try the creation of the world. Uh, now, there, there's all kinds of opinions out there. Uh, and, you know, there's a, there's a, a book that is out now, uh, and it, it's Eric Metaxas, and he's written a book called Is Atheism Dead? Now, he's not talking about people being agnostics or deists. He's talking about people... That because if you really understand the definition of the word atheist, what that's supposed to mean is that somebody can prove to you that God does not exist and He did not create the heavens and the earth and da 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 da. da. Well, nobody's been able to do that. And 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 if you look at the things that we've discovered in science, I'm not afraid of science because God is the author of science. Uh, and there was a time when scientists knew that if you were studying science, you were studying the things that God revealed about Himself in science. Uh, but anyway. Uh, the more that we've discovered, uh, the less evolution is, is standing on sturdy legs. Uh, and he goes on to say that, uh, that atheism 
is is dead. It, it's been disproven. Uh, now, if you want to say, yes, there is a God, but I don't really know who he is, uh, then certainly that, that point of view can still be there. Um, uh, I, I, don't, I don't believe we have some personal relationship with him. I don't know who he is. Certainly that. But, but, but atheism is, and, and some of the theories of, of, of the atheist uh, that they cling to, like you know, Marxism's uh, you know, and, and evolution, really have been disputed pretty heavily. Uh, and and so a lot of what the Bible has said about creation uh, is uh, has been proven, and and what uh, some of the theories the theories of evolution uh, have yet to find that. Now, is this a science book? No, it, it, it's not. I mean, it's about God, and, and and I believe God is the creator of science. But we're, this is not a science book, nor did Moses intend that to be. Now, first of all, the author of Genesis is Moses. Mo- Moses, uh, and and there's there's really no commentaries that I have found that were of any credibility that would disagree with that. Uh, and, and Moses uh, <clears throat> wrote the first five books uh, of the Bible, the Pentateuch, uh, as it's called. Uh, and so you have to remember, and this is important now as we're about to unpack this, okay? You, you have to remember that this is a book that God revealed to Moses while the, um, the Israelites were wandering around in the desert, and they had just been freed um, you know, from from Egypt, uh, but they did not. Uh, you know, ten of the twelve spies did not believe that they could take the promised land. Uh, we know that um, uh, that, uh, that that for that a whole generation was weeded out by God, uh, except for the two that said we do believe that the, that that God will give this to us because He said He would. Uh, but anyway, they, this is the process of God. You know, wandering around. Uh, uh, having the, the people wander around, and he reveals these five books uh, to, to Moses who writes them down to, to give to the people. Now, remember, this is important for today, remember that while the, God's people were held captive in Egypt, they were exposed to polytheism. You know, the, the Egyptians, uh, they, they, uh, uh, they, they had the, the pyramids and they had their temples and they, they worshipped solar and lunar gods and the god of this and the god of that. Really what they were doing is they were worshipping nature. Uh, the sun was a god and the moon was a god and, and all these different things are different gods. And, and, and so you know God's people have been exposed to that. So a lot of what Moses is about to do here in the very beginning is he's going to dispute polytheism and say there is only one God and creation is not to be worshipped, the creator is to be worshipped. And so I want you to make sure you understand that the one and only living God, the God of Israel, uh, this is the God that created heaven and earth, so worship him, don't worship the creation. That's really the point. I mean, I know some people try to make this book out, to, especially chapter one, to be more than that, uh, but it's really about worshiping God is what it's about, uh, and, and we will unpack that. So he took this, took this on. So think about this, because this first verse of chapter one of Genesis seems so simplistic, but it's really not. Uh, it's saying a lot. There's nothing elementary or childish about what Moses says. Because what he said is profound, and understand it's to refute any notion that uh, polytheism has any, any ground to stand on. So here's what he says. He says, in the beginning, God, not, not gods, uh, not, not, uh, not creation created itself. In the beginning, God 
created the heavens and the earth. God created. So, so this is the first thing that he wants you to know is Moses inspired by God. God's making sure that we understand that, um, that, that, that God is in the opening lines. And, and so Moses is now forever establishing a true understanding about God, the universe, and humanity. Why are we, why, why are we in the book of Genesis? I'm going to tell you this because the book of Genesis tells us so much. I remember John Lennox, uh, the, the famous uh, scientist who, who we've had on the show a couple times, and he was so right when he said this, and we were talking about creation. He says, the thing you have to understand about science is, and, and I read many commentaries on this, and they all, a lot of them said very similar things that John said, but I like the way that John said it even better. But it, it, science has never been able to answer our real question. Science has never, as John Lennox would say, science has never been able to answer the questions of a child. And you say, Rick, what do you mean by the questions of a child? Well, it's still the question that you have. If you, do, if you haven't figured it out yet, it's still the question you have. Who am I? Where did I come from? And why am I here? Who am I? Where did I come from? And why am I here? And only the Bible answers that. And Genesis answers these questions at the very beginning of the Bible. We find out exactly who we are, exactly where we came from, and why we are here. And, and you know, th- to me, that, that's pretty important. And you won't find uh, someone, someone can ride along for pages and pages and pages, and they can thrill you uh, with their intellect. But most of the times, if you set them down and you ask them all these great theories, they would just, oh, in philosophy, they would just go on and on and on and on. If you want to throw somebody a curve that is not a believer in the God that we serve, say, can I ask you a question? Who am I? Where did I come from? And why am I here? They have no idea. I mean, and remember, most of them, not all, but most of them believe (laughs) it's all just happenstance. Can you imagine? Is there is there less hope in that? So this all just came from something. Uh, we we don't really know what. Uh, I think uh, um, I, I really think that Rick Warren said it best the first time he, you know, took on evolution, and he said, uh, you know, this 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 uh, macro evolution, not talking about micro evolution. We do see that, and that is observed. Uh, but but macro evolution, meaning you know, different species came from lower species and developed into higher species, you know, uh, he, he said, that when I look at what they're actually saying, especially when we talk about a human being, it just requires too much faith. Uh, you know, at least what we believe, we believe by faith, but our faith actually makes more sense. I've told you, speaking of that, uh, my youngest son, um, uh, my youngest son here on earth, uh, my fourth son, my fifth son is actually already in the presence of the Lord, uh, but the youngest son that is still on earth with me, uh, you know, when I asked him why he chose to follow Jesus, why he why he has taken this biblical worldview and applied it to himself at 20 years old, I certainly didn't. Sadly, uh, I was just a cultural Christian, but but he actually lives his life uh, as a follower of Jesus. And I said, why? I'm, I'm thankful, but but why? He said, well, I weighed all the other worldviews, and I certainly have studied other worldviews, and I've listened to what they have to say, and. I've actually read uh, you know a number of books on them, and uh, 
He said, the Bible's the only thing that makes any sense. <laughs> what the Bible says about us and about God makes sense. What other people say about like we somehow evolved from a glob of something doesn't really hold water with me. I don't. I think that's a. I think that's a stretch. Uh, that the, the the positioning of the Earth and its relationship to the Sun, uh, if it was off just a little, that we would all be dead. We would burn up or we would freeze, and it, and it just holds on that axis at the perfect angle. I mean, he said this all being happenstance to me just is uh, it's silly. So so that's kind of what. Uh, so so Moses really. Was, was trying to just let you know that at the end of it all, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, how he did it and, and how he went about it and the details of it, we, we, don't, we know a little, we don't know a lot. But, uh, but now we're kind of getting into where we'll probably spend most of our time today, and I hope you're okay with that, but I, I, think, I think there's an important point that needs to be made, and it's not going to be going very far, and we will get it all, hopefully get all this in. If not, we'll get most of it in, and we'll finish next week. But... And that is this gap between uh, Genesis 1, verse 1, and Genesis 1, verse 2. Um, there's all kinds of theories, uh, and I'm not going to give you all of them because some of them are just too silly, back to Brody's words. Uh, but I am going to give you the main six uh, that seem to kind of be more prominent. Now, and that is that we don't, we don't really know the time between – Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2. Verse 2 says, The earth was without form and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God uh, was hovering over the face of the water. So Moses tells us in the beginning, or God tells us, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Pause. The earth was without form. Uh, it certainly wasn't called a verse 2, but we, we don't know. We, it was arranged for us in verse 2. Moses doesn't really tell us, like, how did, did was that immediate? Uh, are you are you saying in the beginning God created the heavens and earth and immediately this this happened? It, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then you go to three, and God said, "Let there be light." So, but but how long between these three things happening? Nobody really knows. Now, there there's going to be all kinds of theories about this. Uh, but but the, the bottom line that, that we have to, to gather about this, and this is where some of you are going to push back, and that's all right. It's fine. I know men and women that I know by the evidence of the redemption and the power of Jesus in their life, I know this because they do bear the fruit that they belong to Christ. And I will spend eternity with them, and I have zero doubts about this, and they disagree on the age of the earth. They don't agree on it. Now, I know some people that I, that I have great respect for, and they, they want to die on this hill. And, and, and I think where we have a mistake, and this has been something that's been, you know, it's not something I just came up with last, you know, this past week, getting ready for the, or the last couple of weeks, getting ready for this Bible study. This is something I've been working on for a while. I think it's a major mistake for a human being to claim that the the Earth is a certain age, and if it isn't that age, then the God can't, uh, then the, the the God of the Bible and the Bible can't be trusted. I think that's I think that's a mistake. 
This is not a salvation issue. It's not an existence of God issue. And, and there's, there's theories that are out there, and, and, and certainly you can make a case that, or pick your, the one that you think is right, but the Bible really doesn't tell us the great details on the age of the entire earth. Now, if you want to come up and say, I think we got a pretty good look on Scripture of how long human beings have been here, okay. I, I, I don't really have a problem with that. I, I think you're right. I think where we get into a little bit of problem is we don't know how long the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. We don't know how long that hit. I mean, could people be finding things that, that says the the earth is a certain age because maybe the earth was formless and without void for a period of time that no one really knows before God ever says, let there be light? I mean, we, we, we don't really know. Now, here, here, are the, here are the theories, and I'm not going to land and say either one of them. I really am okay with you believing any of them that you want because the, the, I, I don't think you can make a biblical case that I would agree with that says if you think the earth is young, you're going to heaven. If you think the earth is old, you're going to hell. Or if you think the earth is young, you're going to hell. And if you think the earth is old, then you're, then you're going to heaven. I don't think you can make that biblical case. But it is, it is interesting to talk about, and 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 so and I and I don't mind talking about it. So uh, so here are the six theories about um, creation in the age of the earth, and um, and then you can decide for yourself uh, through prayer and supplication and and and, re- and research of the Word of God and other things, and and you can decide uh, which one that you prefer, or you may be like me and go, I really don't. I don't really prefer any uh, any of them. I just believe that God created the heaven and the earth, and I believe that he created uh, human beings, and I believe that human beings sinned against him, and I believe he provided uh, uh, reconciliation and redemption. And I understand why he had to do that because of his holiness, and I think that was done by him becoming a man, and I believe that was done by the Son of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I believe that that, that, that Son took on human flesh and paid the price to get me back in the proper relationship with the one and only living God who did create the heavens and the earth earth, and I believe only through him can I be redeemed back to the creator of the universe and the creator of the earth. That's what I believe. And then if somebody says, well, how would you think the earth is? I don't know. I really don't, and I don't think anybody else does either. Uh, but here, here, are the, here are the different theories. Number one is pretty straightforward on, the, on how long creation took which is kind of what we're talking about, which does tie to the age of the earth. You have the, the one that uh, you may be very, very familiar with, and that we're going to walk through that, that believes that um, uh, God created uh, everything that we have, and he did that in six days, and he rested on the seventh, and those are, those are six 24-hour solar days. Creation took 144 hours. Do I believe that God can create everything we see and everything we experience and all this in 144 hours? Yeah. Do I believe that's what he did? I don't know. Do I believe that's what it, that he could? Yes. Do I believe that's what he did? I don't know. But that's one theory. Some people say it's six solar days, 24 hours. Okay, that's, that's fine with me. The other one says this is called the punctuated activity view, and what that means is that uh, it's, it's 24-hour days of creation uh, activity were separated by indefinite periods, meaning it still was six days, but it wasn't six days in a row. And that's the reason why you have some people that say the earth is old and some that say the earth is young. And, and it's because God, when he, when he started creating, 
you know, he would he he did that. In the things that Moses is writing down, that was twenty four hours, uh, but we don't know how many stops and starts there were in that. That that's one. Uh, the one that, uh, it, that now this is where your old earthers. You know, the first one is going to be where your new earthers are. The second one, I don't know anybody that, that believes that, but but there 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 are a lot that do. The the one and the three are the one that I hear the most. Okay. The third one you're probably familiar with, and that's what I just talked about, the gap view. And that's the gap between verses 1 and 2, um, meaning that – and this one, gets, this one gets pretty deep, but I think you can find some Scripture to support this, uh, the, the, the reason why they, they believe the gap is, is legit. Uh, and that is when you find that, uh, that in Scripture that God had created angels before he created human beings. And we're going to see him deal with this, as a matter of fact, uh, in our study of Genesis uh, when we get to Genesis 6. But so that means that there was a relationship. God had already created something, and that was those were angels to, to, to glorify him. And we know there was a rebellion uh, of Lucifer uh, against God, and t- he took a third of those angels with him. And we know that Scripture tells us that he was cast down to the earth and and we know that uh, that 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 when he approached Adam and Eve he was already on earth we also know that he told God in the book of Job when God asked him to account for what he'd been doing he said I've been going in and out of the earth so what what the gap theory people believe is that there was a rebellion that took place and these angels that were cast down on earth, uh, that 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 the earth set there, and uh, and and they were. That's why it said it's that there's darkness. That's why this is going on. They had been punished. Get ready for this by a flood. Okay, not not the not the flood of of Noah. That's the reason why God they they believe that God came back and said, "I'm not going to destroy the earth by water again." Now I would. You could simply say, well, he means because he did it once. The gap theory of people believe because he's done it twice. Uh, and, uh, and they say you can see evidence of this even in the science that we see today, which would explain some of this, that there was more than one flood. This was a flood to punish uh, the fallen angels, to punish uh, the, the earth at that time. And that when creation starts that Moses is about to talk about, when you hear, let there be light in verse 3, the gap theory people believe that that is a reawakening of the earth after the rebellion. How you like that? So, and that, that would account for the millions of years of, of the age of the earth. The earth itself has actually been here longer than human beings have been upon it, even though God did create human beings. And uh, but he created angels first, and if you look at some of the things that are going on with Satan and everything, you you could probably make a case that uh, that he'd already been cast down. We know that uh, you know that Jesus said that he saw uh, Lucifer being thrown from heaven down onto the earth. He saw it. So anyway, so that's that's the gap theory. Uh, the other is the day age view, meaning that yeah, it's it's six days, but these days don't they don't stand for twenty four hours. Uh, what what these six days stand for is different geological periods of time. Uh, so uh, they would say it, it's it's really figurative. It's not literal. We're talking about days, and the and and these days are geological ages. Uh, 
Then, then you know, that's another one. Yeah, it was six days, but you don't know how long those days were. Um, uh, and then five, the framework view. This is this is how it happened, uh, but the days only convey the truth of creation, not true consecutive days. So th- this is a little bit like the uh, the punctuated activity view, but it, it's getting more specific. It, it's saying, yeah, well, yeah, Moses is talking about days, and that's fine, but this is not consecutive days in a row. Uh, this is God creating over a long period of time different things, and every time he did that, 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 that's called a day, and I got no problem with the length of the day, but this didn't happen all in six consecutive days. Okay, so that, that's five. And then six is the, uh, the analogical day view, meaning that God's working days um, are on his own time. Now, these people will get real fired up about Second Peter because the analogical day view people, what they're going to say is, well, Peter told us that a day to the Lord's a, th- a day to us is a thousand years to the Lord. Uh, or, or a day to the Lord is a thousand years to us. I'm sorry, I got it backward. But, but, but that's, that's really not, Peter isn't saying that's the truth. He's just saying it could be. But they'll jump all over that and say, well, the Bible tells us uh, that uh, you know a thousand years to us is just one day to the Lord. Uh, and so they take the view that when you see the word day, that means a thousand years. And and let me tell you something now, don't don't just totally discount them, because you know when you go to the book of Daniel, uh, the, the 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 book of Daniel will tell you that you know weeks stand for years sometimes, and days stand for this, and and and, and decades and a hundred years, and so there's certainly. But but here's the, the here's the only problem that they have, is you know just like you're reading a map when when God decides to. To, to be anal- I mean decides to to use something as an analogy like he does in the prophecies to Daniel he go he gives you how long you should there's a standard that goes with that just like a map that says an inch equals a mile uh, God always gives you that information and in this case when you read the creation story it looks like he's calling a day uh, 24 hours okay so that that's what the people who would not agree with that view would say. But there they are. That that's that's uh, that's the big six, uh, and um, so. But but I think the thing that we need to again, I think that we need to understand even bigger, is, is what I was kind of touching on. And Derek Kinder uh, was some of the commentaries that I've read, and one of the things that he says I think is most important. He says the sequences, the way Moses wrote this, and God told him to. These sequences were to attack these false gods that the Egyptians had. He, he's deprogramming his people back to remembering that they serve the one and only living God who created everything. And he is the beginning and he is the end. And, and you know, like if you go, if you, and this was great, I don't know if you've, we talked about this before, but we, we, we could if we do a study of, of Exodus. But when, when you look at the plagues that God handed down, Every one of those plagues represented gods that the Egyptians worshipped. And he tried to show Pharaoh and the people that these gods could not stop what he was doing. And so Moses is, is walking through what the Egyptians would have taught God's people uh, about creation, and he's debunking it and saying, no, the one and only living God created this. And all these things are shot back at the gods, and you'll see what I mean by that. So, so anyway, so there's one and two, uh, and we're we're what thirty two minutes into the Bible study. So, um, uh, but it's important that you understand the framework and which we're, we're working 
going out. And then you make your own decision how important those different theories are to you. So we do know, because the Bible tells us, that the earth was without form and void. And we do know that darkness was over the face of the deep, because the Bible says that. And the Spirit of God, we do know that, was hovering over the face of the waters. You can see it. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. This is now verse 3. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. Now, this is important. So what are we talking about? Because if you look down, we have no moon and we have no sun yet. But yet we have God saying, let there be light. Now, there's theories on this. Uh, Some are good, some are bad. Uh, Some say he's just talking about the concept of light, like electricity or the potential to make light. Some people think that's what he's talking about, that he created that. And again, that would go back to what I said about we study science to we study the creation so we can learn more about the creator, and he may show us how he did it, okay? But, but, I, but some deeper dives will say what he's saying here is his glory. And I say that kind of goes back to that, that former rebellion that, that may or may not have happened to where God is, is reestablishing himself, saying the darkness of this place is now going to be reawakened or redeemed or created, however you see it, and my glory is going to shine upon it. So remember what he's establishing here. He is saying that light is good, which would, what would be the opposite of that, and darkness is not. Light is good and darkness is not. Okay? So, so, so that's important. And listen to this. God called the, the light day and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. So once he established light, now keep in mind, we don't hear anything about the sun and the moon yet. So so God himself, without the sun and the moon, and we and we know, listen to this, now we know that when we, when we look at the revelation, remember what my wife said, and for us to understand the end, we got to understand the beginning. What do we find in the end? We find that when, when the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem is established, we hear clearly from John that we'll never see night again. So this night thing didn't work out. And so God's going to come back, and, and who's going to be the light? Not the sun, S-U-N, the sun, S-O-N. Yeah, Jesus will be the light, and he, and he will illuminate. We'll, we'll never have darkness again. I mean, that's a great thought, isn't it? But, but, but here, there is light, and there is darkness, and there is the first day. And then God says in 6, and, and God said, let, let there be an expanse in the midst of the water, and let it separate the waters from the water. So he's saying, we've got all this going on right now. I'm hovering over this never-ending water, which would indicate maybe a flood. But now I want this water to, to, to have some orders and I'm going to start separating this and, and look at seven. And God made the expanse and it separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. So you, you've got the universe and the expanse of, of nothingness and, and sky, and then you've got water and it's everywhere and it, it's, it's an expanse here below. And what God says, I'm about to organize all this. Now, does that mean that it once was organized before? Again, that goes back to what you believe. Uh, I don't see this as a salvation issue. But I, here's what I do see. 
He says, uh, and he called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning, and the second day. Now, what we're talking about heaven here, we're not talking about, we're talking about the heavens that we see, the, the, the sky that we're able to see with our own eyes. So what we're seeing right now, and, and when you, if you go back, and I love this, if, you, if you've ever studied the book of Job, well, in the book of Job, when God begins to give his resume, he includes this. You know, what's one of the things that he tells Job when he says to show yourself as a man, and he wants Job to compare himself to God? He said, did you tell the water where it could stop? That's the God you serve, by the way. The God that you and I serve told the water, you can't go any further than this, and it stopped. And you know what God said to Job? Can you do that? No. You see the gap between us and God and how wonderful he is? And nine, and God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. Here he is now putting out the borders. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good. Uh, Verse 11, and God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees, bearing fruit uh, in which their seed each according to its kind I would underline that, on earth, and it was so. So the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit, in which uh, is their seed according to uh, its kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, and the third day. Now, in verse 14, now we see the lights in the sky show up. But all the way back up here in 3, God had already said, let there be light, and he even said that he, he sees day, day and he sees night. Uh, and, and so this is not the creation of light here. What, what he's doing here in 14, he said, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens and to give light upon the earth. And it was so, and God made two great lights, the greater light to rule over the day and the lesser light to rule over night and stars. Okay, so there's a lot of reasons this is going on. Number one, God says, this is how I'm going to set it up to, to you know going forward. And I'm going to make these things available, and I'm going to put them up here also not just to give you light and give you day, but I'm also going to put them up here for, for you to understand the seasons and, and have different types of seasons. And also I'm going to use that to give you different kinds of signs. And he's done that. Uh, does anybody remember the birth of, of our Redeemer? Uh, see, see the, whole, the whole Bible is about Jesus. So what, was the, what did God use to, for, as the sign of, of the Christ child? A uh, star. Yeah, so so he's already establishing that these things can be used by him for seasons, sure, but also for signs. But 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 here's the other thing. You know what else is happening here? Back back to back to what we were just told. The Egyptians and while while God's people were in slavery, worshiped the sun and the moon and the stars. And you know what Moses is telling them, and we better get this right in the world we're living in, that has become obsessed with, with worshiping like idolatry, this creation, and not worshiping the creator. We're doing it again. So that's why it's important for us to do this is to remember, look, I've had some beautiful days 
and I enjoy looking at God's creation, but I got to tell you something, it's fallen, and I find that his creation is nothing compared to the creator. There, the only thing that makes creation worth looking at is who created it. And, and so what he is reminding his people and reminding us is these things that you may think are so wonderful, these things the Egyptians told you were gods, they weren't gods. They were created by the one and only God. He created them. They're not gods. They're not deity. And neither is this earth, grain movement. Uh, do we need to be caretakers of the earth? Yes. Is it fallen? Yes. Do we need to, to, have, to, to not pollute? Certainly. But do we worship creation? No. And let me tell you something. God has made it perfectly clear, perfectly clear, uh, as uh, my pastor Matt Brunson said clearly, those of you that think we're going to destroy this earth, if you'll read Scripture, and we did that in our study of First and Second Peter, no, God saved that job for himself. We're, we won't be part of that, okay? Uh, and anything that's allowed to happen to this earth, he allows it. And he certainly, we're not more powerful than he is. But he's going to get it done. Uh, this earth is going away. But here, this is before sin, so this is, this is Moses talking about what happened before the fall. God set these lights uh, in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and, and over the night, and to separate light from, from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And then God said, let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures. Here come the animals, first of all, the aquatic. Uh, let birds fly above the uh, earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the, uh, the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves which, um, uh, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the waters and the seas, let uh, birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning and there was the fifth day. And then 24, and God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds. Now, the reason why we, we, you got to get into the kinds thing, and, and of course, um, uh, Ken Ham talks about this quite a bit uh, in uh, the answers in Genesis. Now, now, Ken's a young earther, and he makes a really big deal about that. I think Ken does a great job. I've interviewed him many times. I love the things he says about um, uh, the ark and about the flood and about the one and only living God. I do not agree with him that young earth is the only way to go or else you really don't believe in God uh, or the Bible's not true. I don't, I don't agree with him on that. But, but I will tell you this, but, but he, he's a powerful man of God, and he does great things, and I've supported what he does, and I love him. Okay, We don't have to agree on everything. But I will say this. He made a great point on the part where Scripture is talking about kinds because I think you know, when people start trying to think about the Noah uh, documentation in the Bible, they, they, didn't, they didn't put every kind of dog that we have. They put one dog representing all dogness, and, and it's kind. And you know what? You don't, see, you don't see kinds crossing over and producing offspring with other kinds. Uh, you don't even with the you know with the the horse and the donkey producing a mule that's still inside its kind, and, and so 
this this is creation, and this is how it was created. Uh, he said, livestock, creeping things, beast of the earth according to their kinds, and, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and, um, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Now, when you see the word creeping there, uh, I know, I don't know if, uh, you know, Bubba's already left the office today, but, uh, you know, I know that Satan shows up as, as a serpent. I, you know, I, there's some creepy things that are out there. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what that means. I know that God... Uh, you know, a lot of people wish he just skipped on reptiles, but in this particular, when it, it was at one time, it was good until, of course, uh, it was cursed. But but so here, it's all good. Uh, and then he and then and then twenty seven. So God created man coming up next in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created him, created them. Now we need to understand that God Himself. In verse 27 of chapter 1 in Genesis in the Holy Bible, Moses says God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So there is a male and there is a female. There are no other genders mentioned in the Holy Word of God. And they are equal, but they are distinct. Okay? 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds in, of heavens and over creepy everything uh, that it moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I give you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to, and to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has bre- the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. Now, again, God's plan is better than my plan. Uh, apparently, if you read this, and it's pretty straightforward, if you read this at one time, every animal and every human being ate food that was provided by plants. I know, I know. I mean, you can't really read it any other way. And as we go through Genesis, you will see there comes a point uh, when the, 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 the whole meat thing begins, and it is part of the fall. Do I enjoy meat? I do. Uh, am I a vegetarian? I am not. But we know that that all of this is going to be redeemed at some point, and we do see at the end, once again, understand the beginning, that the lion and the lamb will lay down. We'll be able to pet a lion without it you know, attacking us and destroying us. This whole animosity between predators and prey ends, and we're, and we're a predator, and, and we eat prey. Uh, but that's going to end. Now, does that mean that the, the, the feast of, of the Lamb of God will feature no meat again? When we, because if you look at what Jesus is doing uh, and you see the new heaven and the new earth, Jesus is reconciling us back to the garden. And apparently in the beginning, uh, what God provided, and, and look, when God's providing things, it is, it is phenomenal food, okay? Now, that must have been great fruit. And, and the salads must have been unbelievable, or, or however these were consumed, and the seeds or whatever. And if, and if God takes me back to that and my glorified body, 
I mean, we joke around a lot. I don't care. I mean, because it, 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 and now do I think, it, you know, and Bubba has said this in the show, can you have a feast without meat? Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if the meat thing's going to be taken back or God just can provide something like meat. Uh, I will say this. I am, I, am, I am completely sold that we won't be slaughtering and eating animals anymore because I think that ends. Uh, but, uh, but can he provide us something that is delicious and, and even more delicious than, than the meat that we've enjoyed? Yeah. But you're going to see uh, this thing of you're not supposed to eat meat. That's not true either in our current state because when you see Noah get off the ark, God, God will clarify that later in our study of Genesis. But right now in the creation documentation in the Word of God before the fall of all creation, because, you know, mankind didn't just fall. When we fell, every, the whole earth fell. Uh, and so the, the earth is in a fallen state. But before it was in the fallen state, it looks pretty clear that everybody was provided with food, animals and humans, and that was provided without blood shed. Okay? So, so that, 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 that is a biblical truth according to what I just read. Okay? So then you look at verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So Genesis 1, chapter 1 uh, if, if you follow it word for word, just like it is, you know that uh, Moses is using the term days, and he says that God got it done in six. Now, do we know that those were 24-hour days? As I've told you, one theory says, of course it is. says what it says, a day is a day. Okay? Of course, we also know that the word day can be used for an age. Uh, uh, we know there's a day of the Lord. We know that uh, in the days of, uh, you know, so, so we do know that day can be used differently in English. But, uh, you know, in, 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 um, it, when you're looking at this, this being used here, uh, it could be 24 hours. It could be uh, 1,000 years. It could be uh, geological ages. It could be, um, you know, some kind of stop and start one. I, I, don't, I don't seem to give those as much credibility, but... I mean, maybe, but, but we don't know exactly what this time period is. But I'm okay with you saying it says what it says. I'm also okay with you being a gap theory person. I'm okay with you being uh, these represent ages. You know, here's the thing. Where we can't drift, where we cannot drift, is we cannot say that the earth was created any other way than by God himself. And now there are some people that say, well, God could have created everything through evolution. Evolution itself is, is not evil, Rick, because maybe that's just how God did it. Um, I don't think that the evolution stands up, uh, but, uh, you know, as long as that one probably is, is less likely, but if, uh, if, if, that, if you're still putting God as creator and you don't let that take you down a road to something else, because ultimately, this whole Marxist view will lead you to godless, uh, the, the the godlessness, uh, and uh, so so be careful of that. But uh, but you know, if uh, we do see microevolution, we just haven't found macroevolution. So I I just don't think that stands up because God and what He's revealed doesn't seem to support that. Uh, I've heard people say, you know, I believe in the Big Bang theory, but I believe that God lit the fuse. I don't think the Big Bang Theory holds up either, but uh, you know, I, I would be careful going too far that way. 
uh, because I think the most important thing is we don't want to get out of what the Bible just said. Uh, but but here's the thing that we we know the Bible is screaming, and it's not it's not being subtle. Uh, at the beginning, there is God. He is the beginning, and you know what? He is also the end, and and He is worthy of worship. Uh, and uh, for us to allow our minds and our devotion to drift any other place, including creation. And, uh, and I've done that before. I, I, I mean, I've, I've, I've been to beautiful places on this earth, and, and, uh, but, but I, I, I have to be reminded that compared to him, um, compared to me, creation can be quite incredible. <laughs> but compared to God, um, it, it, it carries very little glory. Now, if creation is revealing God and drawing you to worship him, hallelujah. And I've had those experiences, and I love them. But be sure creation isn't pulling you to worship it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today, and thank you for this incredible truth about you and how you have uh, opened our eyes. And and we're just so excited about this study, Uh, and we're excited about what lies ahead. And, and, And may we remember that you are the only one that is worthy of our worship and our devotion. And, Lord, uh, there's so much uncertainty in this fallen world and the fact that it is fallen, it cries out for your redemption. And, Lord, we know that is coming. We do know it's coming. We know you're coming to take this place and redeem it. We know you are coming to, to refine it. And, oh, do we look forward to We love the little glimpses you give us of you, but then we see things that are horrible and remind us that this is your throwaway. This is not what you intended. But, oh, do we anticipate the return of what you intended. And we know that's what you're going to do. And may we be found with you, not against you. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you need me at all, just reach out to me, rick at rickandbubba.com or rick at burgessministries.com. Thanks for taking time uh, to spend with us today. Uh, And Lord willing, we'll talk to you again next week.